Okay, folks, so grateful to uh, have you here on the show. Uh, I'm going to introduce our guest for today, Mr. Will Archer. Uh, Will is the lead evangelist for the Potomac Valley Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. He has over two decades of leading in missional communities. He's really known for his capacity uh, to develop and to amplify theologically sound and culturally re relevant uh, messages across many different platforms. And we're going to talk about that with him today, uh, but also for really developing healthy communities of faith that engage both the, the local community around them uh, as well as within the church. And, and that means, you know, connecting with the business world, connecting with uh, local community partners who are serving the poor. Uh, he serves as the chairman of the Human Services Alliance of Greater Prince William. Uh, he has an undergraduate in public policy from Arcadia University, a master's degree from Wesley Theo Theological Seminary, and he is currently a doctoral candidate uh, in educational ministry with a focus on educational leadership at Virginia Theological Seminary there in Alexandria. On top of all that, uh, he is the host or the co-host of his podcast, uh, The Greater Everyday Podcast. And I'm sure there are a dozen other things he's doing uh, that we'll find out about. But uh, Will, good to have you on the show. I don't know how you're doing all that, man. Hey, you are a you are a busy guy. We, we all just give 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 the best we've got, and I, I know you're you're doing a whole lot where you are too. So that's just yeah, how, well, we, I, how it goes. I think you're definitely ahead of the curve in terms of uh, of capacity. Somehow you're you're managing all that. It's pretty inspiring. And on top of that, you're you're a husband and a father, and you've got whole other you know side of life that's that you're that. also managing and leading and serving and incredible well, i'm i'm very very grateful god's been very kind yeah well we're, we're grateful to have you on the show um I, i'd love for you just to start off just kind of walk us through a little bit of your spiritual journey and um you know this is a show that's kind of intended for uh followers of jesus uh, but also for those who are maybe just interested in following jesus or skeptical about what it means to follow jesus and um, sure. So it'd be good just to kind of hear in brief, you know, what's what's been your spiritual journey? How did you arrive even at beginning uh, to follow Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm very grateful. I have uh, an amazing family, and um, my dad um, uh, is Jamaican. Um, my mom is American, and my dad um, came to the U.S. Uh, to get his doctorate um, from Northwestern while he was. At Northwestern, he converted to Islam. So I grew up in a Sunni Muslim home, um, and um, my my mom's Catholic. My dad grew up Seventh Day Adventist, so a very uh, deep religious tradition um, in Christianity from from my parents' background. But my dad's decision to become a Muslim was really formative for me, um, uh, and uh, so I grew up uh, speaking English and Arabic uh, as a child. And my dad uh, taught in Saudi Arabia for a little while. And, uh, and then after my, while we were there, my dad passed away from prostate cancer. And I ended up going to boarding school in England, where for the first time I, I read um, C.S. Lewis, Lewis's uh, books, The Chronicles of Narnia. And that really introduced me from a fictional standpoint to uh, the story of the Bible. Um, and uh, I, 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 a few years after 
really getting obsessed with the, 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 the Chronicles of Narnia, I started reading the Bible and I met Jesus in the scriptures for the first time. And that radically changed my life and uh, started me on a journey to really pursue who Jesus is. And when I was 18 years old, uh, I got baptized in New York City and, um, and you know, really embraced a life of biblical discipleship. So it was a, a, a long journey of walking through uh, my faith as influenced by my parents, uh, influenced from what I, you know, read, uh, both in fictional books and in, in the Bible. And, uh, but I will say that once I met Jesus in the Bible uh, when I was 12 years old, um, and then I committed to being a disciple of Jesus when I was 18, that transformed everything and has transformed everything about my life. And my whole life's purpose wow. was reoriented, not so much by religion. Um, you know, uh, I'm a religious person, um, but by, by Jesus. And that, that's really the driving force for me. Well, that's amazing. So, okay, so just so I'm tracking, Jamaica, Saudi Arabia, New York. Yes. Wow. Uh, that, and Muslim background to C.S. Lewis, to follower of Jesus. Uh, that is a pretty um, unique path to, uh, to this apprenticeship of Jesus. Um, it's pretty cool. And it's, I guess from that point on, it, there was a, an interest in ministry, or did you kind of immediately know, hey, I want to start figuring out how to do this more full time as a, as a vocation, or how did that kind of come about? Yeah, it was the wildest thing. I mean, you know, not long after, you know, getting baptized, I had the opportunity to, to uh, really connect with some of the guys who had studied the Bible with me. And I was particularly blown away by their faith and their commitment to really living out their discipleship in New York. I got baptized back in 93. And um, and the fact that there are people that are willing to devote their lives to spreading the gospel and really um, helping other people to know who God is, that really caught me very early on. Um, I, I didn't get the opportunity to be in the ministry until almost five years later. Um, and uh, you know, I went to school, I worked, I, I served in a volunteer capacity in, in various different ministries. Um, and, uh, but I, I definitely very early on got a passion to want to do the ministry, um, to really try to, to do my very best to use uh, my limited gifts to be able to um, fulfill Jesus' mission. Um, and so that, that really grabbed me. And, and you know, kind of going back to my, my early formation, you know, when I was eight years old, I had the opportunity to go to Mecca and to Medina in, wow. in Saudi Arabia. And when I was in Mecca, one of the things that struck me was seeing all these pilgrims circumnavigating the Kaaba, just hundreds of thousands of people. And it, it was an image that's forever kind of burned in my mind. And I feel like in our world today, people are constantly circumnavigating so many things, um, places of worship, ideas ideologies um and um and 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 really seeking to grasp what god where god's directing them and I, so i have a deep and profound respect for the muslim community because yeah. in the muslim community i see my father i see so many people that i know that are generous and kind and and, and loving um but i i realized that the you know as i, I looked at the scriptures that um God, God is really calling me personally to follow Jesus and to address 
this whole issue of what do what are we what are we circumnavigating and where are we really trying to get to? Yeah, well, it sounds like even as a young, you know, as a young boy, that that what an illustration of devotion, like what right. an illustration of what is it what is a what does it look like to be a pilgrim, you know, and right. to uh, to be devoted to a path. Uh, right. I'm sure that that played some you know formation in your worldview even as you approached Jesus, you know, yes. some a decade later or however that worked out. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely absolutely did. And you know, I think I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for my my parents and their investment in yeah. really challenging me to have my own opinions, my own thoughts, my own conviction. And I think for all the people that are listening, you know, particularly for those who have not uh made a decision to commit to any specific path or maybe have real reservations or questions about Christianity or about faith in general, I think it's really important to recognize that God really does direct our lives and he really is trying to draw each one of us on a very unique path to really walk with him. And so this idea of pilgrimage, you're right, is a a massive part of my own kind of understanding of God. That's great. I love it. Well, and now I know you have, you obviously, like you, you shared, you know, about five years into your, your discipleship, you mm-hmm. started working uh, in ministry as a vocation, and, and now you're in a doctorate program, you know, that's led you quite a ways down the road, and, and knowing a little bit of your story, you've served in uh, different places around uh, North America, and um, mm-hmm. I think at one point you were back in the islands, right, serving I was. in ministry? Yeah. Yeah, I got, got the opportunity, yeah, so I, we, we, Tasha and I both, as single people, started out in the ministry um, in Atlanta, uh, leading singles. So a big shout out to you and yeah. and great work that you do with the single service team. And, yeah, we love singles um, ministry. Yeah, so which is awesome. So we got the opportunity to do that. Uh, from Atlanta, we went to Macon, Georgia, and served in the ministry there. From Macon, Georgia, we went to Philadelphia, served with the youth ministry there. And then we got to go to the Bahamas. And I got the opportunity to lead the church there for almost four years. And uh, incredible. It's not incredible a bad gig, people. huh? It's not. It's not a bad gig. I'm super yeah. grateful, especially today on a cold day. Yeah. I, I reflect on that. Wish I could yeah. be there. Yeah. And, um, and then from the Bahamas, we got to go to Athens to lead the campus. And then now we're here in Virginia cool. uh, leading the church here. And so we, we are primarily a suburban congregation in the northern Virginia suburbs. Um, Which is interesting to me because I think what, at least uh, as an observer of the Potomac Valley Church, mm -hmm. uh, the thing that I I think I recognize the last maybe three, four years uh, from the social media exposure, you know, that um, and then just knowing some of the the folks that uh, have been a part of your team there, Logan and Ashley, and being able to work Mm -hmm. a little bit with them on some other projects, you know, just that there's, you know, you go, you, you say it's a suburban area, but it actually seems to be a, a group or a community that um, it's attracting young leaders. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a, uh, certainly a, a, a social presence, social media presence. There's also a community presence that you guys are doing there. Um, I mean, and you're doing well in that respect, right? There's a, there's a, an attraction to that, um, that, that style of, of, of community and and orienting yourself both socially you know on, on different social media platforms and in the community that it's attracting uh young leaders and so so maybe you could talk a little bit about that even how does how has that developed uh the last yeah. seven years yeah it's you know it's it's totally been god and and i you know 
I'm really humbled by what God's done and how he's moved. You know, um, you know, the, the congregation here really uh, made a very intentional decision um, about, uh, uh, you know, about maybe about five years ago that we would commit ourselves to repentance. And uh, we had the opportunity to come here to sit with all the, the members in the congregation to talk to them about their vision and dream for the church in the next 10 years. And we had that conversation in the fall of 2014. And then coming into 2015, we just did deep teaching and we devote ourselves to prayer and fasting. And um, September 2015, we fasted for a day congregationally. We fasted for three days in October of 2015, seven days in, in November. And then we came into 2016 and we took a whole month to do a 21 day fast, but to start the month by really studying out biblical repentance, corporate repentance. And, uh, and then at the end of the month, on the 31st, we had uh, what, what you see in the Old Testament, which is a, a solemn assembly or a sacred assembly, where we said we're really going to commit ourselves to, to being a church that you know, embraces Matthew 22, that, that loves God with everything in our being and loves our neighbor as ourselves, that embraces Matthew 25, that sees Jesus in the face of every person, and that embraces the fact that those who, who love God with everything and see Jesus in the face of everyone are called to be disciples who make disciples. And um, th that very simple but very clear commitment that we all made has changed everything. And it, it's it's what's led us to engage in the community in a very expansive way. You know, we um, regularly have once a year a big barbecue called the Great Banquet where we barbecue a thousand pounds of meat and invite the whole community to come out. We feed everyone together the homeless, the rich, the poor, give up free bags of groceries and clothes and clothing supplies and just serve the community. Um, we've been able to uh, help work with local community organizations um, to help them raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to help um, people in, in the most desperate situations. Um, one of our partners acts that we help to, to raise some funds, you know, they, they, they're the ones that do um, suicide prevention and, and take the 911 um, uh, calls and, uh, and are doing just a yeoman's work serving in the community with women and men who, who face domestic, domestic violence. Um, that's also led us to having elected officials who are both Republicans and Democrats, you know, congressmen and state senators and, and mayors come to church with us, speak to us about building community and, and some of them are even worshiping with us now um, on a consistent basis. And um, so God's done miraculous things um, among us. And, uh, and we've seen the number of disciples um, multiply. But our focus is not growth. Our focus yeah. is health. Because we really do believe that, you know, not all growth is healthy. Uh, there are lots of groups that just swell. But healthy bodies, they always grow. And so we've really tried to make every effort to keep it simple. 22, 25, 28. Let's be healthy. Let's love everybody. And let's love people without an agenda. You know, just love people and let God work with it. And uh, I love that. And we've seen God do it. And, and you're saying Matthew 22, 25, and 28, and just kind of mm -hmm. wrapping that into your, uh, your mission statement, your mantra. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What a great, simple 
but uh, but profound and, and effective way, you know, in our faith to, to see growth happen. That's cool. And I know you guys, I mean, I think that's part of the, the thing that I was interested in unpacking with you is, you know, I know you, you've got the great banquet that you do. Uh, I've seen the the POVA Cares videos that you guys are doing with different members of the community. Um, you, you mentioned raising uh, you know large amount of money, and, and uh, I think I read somewhere like four hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of relief over the last you know ten or twelve months here in the pandemic that you've been able to provide. Um, and you know obviously there's an orientation that you you guys have been very intentional about in in not being insular in your faith community, uh, but, but really orienting yourselves out into the, the city and the region that you're a part of. And, um, you know, I think that's obviously that's something that I think all of us agree with theologically. Any of us who are followers of Jesus or we're part of uh, church communities, we read in the Bible and, and we, you know, we read uh, stories of the church in, in a city and its effect on the city. Uh, we see historically how Christians have always been um, the creative minority uh, in in communities in cultures where they, they weren't the largest number of people but but they were this creative minority that affected uh-huh. the entire culture and, and societies that they lived in uh, really through service to the the community they were a part of and it seems like uh-huh. you guys have really embraced that and I don't know I, I'd be interested to hear even for you personally um, how how you've come to kind of wrap your mind around and your heart around that approach to your faith and to your ministry. Uh, was that always with you? Was that with you when you started in, you know, the Bronx? Was that, was that with you back in Jamaica as a child? Was, was there history there along the journey that helped um, uh, create a heart that, that was uh, more inclined towards that and, and kind of the combination of being follower of Jesus and being in ministry? How, how did that all come together for you? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and you know, I I think the the Pova Cares um, effort is is probably a great example of that. So, you know, we in that case we we have raised lots of money to be able to give for mission work and to be able to serve in the community, but all of the Pova Cares money, none of that was our money. So, um, that that was, um, you know, we have partnered in the community and we're a founding member of an organization called the Alliance, which networks the business community, the human service community, and, um, and just concerned citizens in, in our, in our community. And, um, and so we're able to, to be a part of that initial effort. And the Alliance was awarded $3 million from our local municipality, wow. Prince William County. So they were awarded $3 million and, um, and, uh, I should say we were awarded the alliance that is was awarded three million dollars and distributed it to 26 different organizations and initially we were we were actually the last organization to be awarded we're at the bottom of the rung it's pretty amazing what God did and um, we were initially only awarded seventy five thousand dollars but um, the, the the mission was to make sure that you could reach people who were impacted by covid with these CARES funds that the federal government gave to the the local municipality, that they gave to a community organization to get it out. And at the first $75,000, we are able to connect, meet needs with people in the community within a week. And then they gave us another 75 and then another. And and in the course of two months, we're able to help distribute 
450,000 of those dollars to 217 families, families that were about to get evicted and that were, you know, six and seven months behind on their rent wow. or had medical bills that had piled up because of COVID. They just could not manage. They were drowning in debt. Hmm. And uh, I mean, painful situations with single moms and people like right on the edge. And God blessed us to be able to be at a place to take resources that was granted and to be able to meet needs. And it was such a, a what a cool miracle. example. Yeah. Of just oh, being a goodness. being a bridge between, uh, you know, between those worlds of uh, government and commerce and the needy. You know, and the church, the church was able to step in and be a bridge there, be the hands to, to serve in that way. Yeah, it's it's that creative minority that you're talking about. I, I yeah. completely agree with you. That 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 is that's a deep commitment that that we have, that I have, that my wife has, that our elders here have, that our staff has, that our small group leaders have. That that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed yeah. to be that group that shows what the first century church showed the world 2,000 years ago uh, in our community. And we believe that's what Christians are called to do everywhere. Yeah. Um, and and I, for I have, you personally, how did you, like, how does that develop for you over the course of your following yeah. Jesus? Yeah, that's a great question. So credit where credit's due. I'd say the genesis of it was my father. Yeah. My father built a school in rural Jamaica to make sure the wow. kids that who did not have access to education could have it. So my dad taught me that from the beginning. And I saw the way that my dad, interestingly enough, was able to work with um, Muslim charities to help, you know, kids, whether they were Christian or Muslim or otherwise. So I saw what my dad did as a kid. Wow. Um, but then uh, 12 years ago, my personal faith radically changed. Now, 13 years ago, when I went to Indonesia and I saw how the churches in Indonesia are doing this, because I'd, I'd never seen a church do it. I'd seen uh, my dad do it as a kid. I knew that it made sense. But then I saw the churches in Indonesia serving everyone from every different background and um, with, with no agenda, just loving people. And I saw how it drew the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor and um and people could see the love of god it's amazing and um and i honestly i left that trip i was in a hope youth corps in in um 2008 i came back i took that whole fall to read pray talk to my wife and tasha and i started um 2009 with a 40-day fast and um and uh, you know sunrise to sunset fast just praying for god to make it plain and since then, God's opened up a great door. We have an active partnership with the churches in Southeast Asia, particularly in Indonesia. Um, I, I, I go to Indonesia every year to study what they're doing. And uh, part of my doctoral study is integrating what we're learning here from what we learned from them there. And again, it's what's so humbling about it, Elias, is it's not anything complicated. It's mm. just loving people and being willing to push yourself outside of your comfort zone to build networks of relationships with uh, people that honestly are quite open. You know, um, I know that, that there's a lot of ugliness in politics, hmm. but the politicians themselves, many of them are very good people. Um, yeah. That want, well, that, I, that, that, yeah. 
No, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think there's also, there is a narrative of, of you know, the, the church as, um, at least from the public eye, can sometimes be critiqued as not being more open-handed to, um, to working with, you know, the community organizations that already exist and, and really developing and fostering healthy relationships in that way that um, it seems like you guys have embraced and, and have really been able to multiply some of the effect of, uh, of what you're doing. Well, for you, when you came back from Indonesia and, you know, you kind of went on this journey personally uh, and then thought, thought about applying it, you know, in your, your local communities and even there with uh, the Potomac Valley, how has that journey been for the community to kind of go, hey, we're going to, to really intentionally orient ourselves towards uh, serving the, the city that we're a part of, the city of the you know, that we're going to be the church of the city and, and serve the city. Um, how has that journey gone for the community as a whole? Yeah, you know, I've been really encouraged. I mean, like anything, you try lots of different things and lots of different things just don't work. They just flop, you know. So, um, but, um, but in general, the response that we've gotten has just been so amazing. Um, you know, I, I think people want to talk to people that just want to help other people. You know, and, and the thing that I learned very early on, um, you know, working with young people, um, particularly with teenagers, is that they, they have a sniff test and that, that people are smart. And they might not know how to say it, but if your goal is to come into a community just to, you know, pull the resources out of a community, people can tell. If you're someone that's coming in to build up a community and love up on people and be there for people, people can tell that too. And so... I think that's been a big part of what we've had to do as a church is really change ourselves and change our perspective that we don't we don't simply want people to come and join our church. We actually want to be the church to the people where we live. And we want people to be made disciples. No question, yeah. because we believe the discipleship is results in freedom from the control of sin and eternal life. Um, and a, a life of purpose. We want people to be right with God, but we are here to be representatives of who God is. And, um, and, and we've made a lot of mistakes, you know, like a ton of mistakes, but we just keep showing up and we build relationships with the people that God opens the doors. And we're very intentional to build relationships with, in our area in particular, with Democrats and Republicans, with people in, in diverse backgrounds because we're not we, we we're not partisans we're mm -hmm. christians you know right. we're, we're called to be engaged and be embedded but we don't want to get entangled in the world um and we don't always get it right but we we definitely give it the best shot we can well i love that and i, I mean i think the thing that i keep coming back to with a lot of the the infighting and you know, partisan narratives that uh, are affecting so much of our cultural moment, right? And whether mm -hmm. you're in the church or out of the church, um, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're you're affected by that, right? And um, and it seems uh, very binary in that you're going to either be one side or the other, and there, you know, uh, and everything has every every topic and every brand has real estate on one side or the other, and you're going to you're going to have an allegiance to one side or the other, no matter what you do. But I love that the church can step into 
uh, a third space, I like to call it. You know, that Jesus yes. always had a third space. Uh, yeah. You read through the Sermon on the Mount, and he kind of takes the, you can either, you know, you can, you, you can like oppress other people's bodies, you know, or you can, uh, or you can, you know, be totally like celibate and remove yourself from any temptation. Or the third way is you can, you can learn to respect other people's bodies as your own. And like he always provides a third way, right? You don't have to like fight your enemy and you don't have to run from your enemy. You can actually engage your enemy with love. There's always this third space that he offers. Um, and, and I love that the church can step into that space, uh, even yep. in the political arena, even in the local government arenas, and, uh, and not just say what the third space is, but really model, uh, really be you know, uh, an example of the body of Christ. And, and entering into that third space and, and providing that yeah. uh, that live illustration for what it looks like. Um, man, we need more of that. We all we all yeah. could use more of that. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know, I agree. I, I'm just saying, amen, I, I agree yeah. with you. I think that you've nailed it. I think that is so critical, man. And it's, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, for you, uh, what 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 what's some of the tensions that you've recognized, even for you personally, or for those who are part of your community, as you've made this journey uh, into the community, right, uh, and in bridging, you know, your your local church with uh, other organizations, what have been some of the tensions that have come up uh, for you guys there? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, so we are very racially diverse and we're very politically diverse. And so I think a, a natural tension is the, the, the tendency for people to not want to choose the third way or the middle way or a cruciformed approach because it it is so much more, um, it's so much safer to choose the path of, of either, of un, just being unengaged in the world. Um, so sometimes the tension is people uh, misreading our, our motives and our efforts. You know, sometimes the tension is, uh, you know, us struggling with, you know, with, with how, to, how to balance uh, everything and, and, you know, and our approach. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, I'm really, really grateful that we have amazing elders and um, two amazing elders and their wives. And we have... Uh, you know, 20, a deaconship of 20 uh, deacons that they, wow. they step up there. They are a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they, they, they get it done. And our family group of leaders, our Bible talk leaders, our small group leaders, we have, we have 20 small groups that they also are a force to be reckoned with and they get done. So um, I think we, we've had to struggle to listen to each other, to, um, to respect differences um, and um, while not being toothless in our kind of engagement, because that's the other mm. side of the equation. Sometimes, you know, respecting differences means that you compromise to the point that you have no conviction, you know. And um, and so we've really decided that we are we want to take a, a posture where we have deep conviction to follow Jesus and to extend our arms to those on the right just as much as we do to those on the left and then let God sort out the difference. I love that. What's um, what's amazing is that you have 20, how, how many deacons did you say you have? So we're really fortunate. We have 10 deacons and 10 deaconesses. Wow. So uh, a deaconship. Of, so you guys uh, got a stacked 20. bench. 
you know, they're really great people. That's amazing. And, you know, as we've been praying and fasting, God's just, we pray at 938 every morning and 938 every night. Please, God, yeah. send us workers. Yeah. And some of those folks are folks that got baptized here um, recently in the past couple of years, past six, seven years. Some yeah. were here all along and, and their faith got reignited. Yeah. And um, and it, it allows us to, to really, um, we try to, to make every effort so everyone has a seat on the right seat on the bus. You know, some people are really good at, at organizing people to serve people. And some mm -hmm. people are really good at leading a discussion and yeah. leading a small group. You know, and uh, some people are really good at making sure that all works, you know, and, um, you know, and so um, it's been cool to see everybody step up and do do their part. But it's we got a lot of work to do. Elias. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't want I'm I'm telling you the good stuff. We're, sure. We would we would tell you and we say it every week. We are a church of really messed up people. Yeah. Just trying to bring the message. Well, that's all of us, I think. Um there, there is no perfect group of people, right? And as soon as, as soon as, if there was, as soon as I showed up, it would cease to be a perfect group of people, right? That's kind of the, Me and you both. the tendency. Yeah, that's the tendency of things. But I, I do love the the emphasis on, you know, I think about the scriptures like First uh, Peter two twelve. You know, he says, hey, just just live live such good lives among them, right? That are are church communities are not meant to be um, kind of these these insular monasteries somewhere that, that exist outside of our community, but they're meant to be vibrant communities within the city, within the community, the greater community that, that, mm -hmm. um, that live among uh, that greater community and do life mm -hmm. with that greater community. And, and I imagine even in that, there's tensions, right? Um, I know yeah. there's tensions for me about how does that look to engage and to to be a Christian and, and to not, like you said, to not water down my uh, convictions e not, e outside of my community in the church, but even with people outside, you know, of, of, mm -hmm. of the, the people that I'm reaching, you know, the people that I'm trying mm -hmm. to bridge. Uh, can you speak to that at all? I mean, how, how have, how have the, how's that journey been for you or maybe for some of the Christians that you know there as they've kind of had to navigate some of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it was one that we, we've been learning a lot from um, Indonesia about in particular. I think one of the big shifts for us is that we have a uh, an expansive community uh, in Potomac Valley. So anyone that identifies with our community that either grew up in our church or wants to be a part of our, our, our community is welcome to be a part of the Big C community. But we have a core of disciples, a devoted core of disciples that are the small D disciple. Um, and, I, and what we do is in folks that are in the community, kids that grow up in our church, people that want to be a part of the community but are not yet ready to commit to a life of biblical discipleship, everybody can serve, everybody can be a part, everybody can be engaged. And that's been a, a, a key distinction for us as we've tried to make sense of that tension that you're talking about is, you know, um, how do you uh, walk carefully and, um, and patiently with people as they're trying to make sense of difficult things? And, uh, and maybe they have views that are, that are very different or might even be diametrically opposed um, to what we see in the biblical narrative. We still want to make sure that they feel a, a true sense of acceptance and love 
while we have to retain a deep sense of uh, conviction and standard based on the scriptures, uh, but being very forthright about what we think and where we stand and what we teach and why we believe it, um, but also being very open is how we've tried to navigate that that tension. Because you know there, you know real tension points. Like last summer is a great example. I mean, you know um, we're 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 in the midst of a new civil rights movement. And uh, last summer was definitely a summer of discontent and, um, and of dissent. And, um, and in our church, there are people that are on literally every side of the issue. And we want to make sure that none of those voices are being muted. I mean, you know, provided that they're respectful, you know, that none of those voices are, are being muted. Um, but, but, and everyone feels welcomed. Um, but also that all the different positions are being heard and respected. And, and that is fraught with difficulty. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, honestly, last summer, that's I had brave, people. That's a brave there. venture. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it, I, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're either too conservative or too progressive or too. Yeah. And the truth is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a person. We're just people. Right. All we can do is be who God's called us to be. And it is that that third way that you're talking about. Hey, we're going to extend our hands to everybody. We're going to love yeah. everyone. We're going to respect everyone. Uh, but we have standards and these yeah. are what they are. And they 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 involve following Jesus. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to not make any apologies for the diversity of your community. Right. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had conversations where um, people want to kind of want to know is is your community which which side does your community lean towards right and uh and and because if they lean towards this side i don't know if i could be there or if they lean towards that side i don't know if i could be there or if they lean towards this side how far on that side because i really want the whole community to think like me and um right. and i've i've told people man the beauty of the church is that it's it's diverse and and yes. i'll make no apologies for the fact that i go to church with people on this side and on that side and I pass the communion tray to both, and uh, yes. and and that's the beauty of, of what I think the church can be, um, in in a in a community. Well, let me ask you this: it, you know, as you think about um, people who are not following Jesus, people who are maybe on mm -hmm. the fence, or yeah. or maybe even critical of the church, and and um, maybe even have a critical eye towards the teachings of Jesus, like why does why does having an orientation towards a greater community and a service towards your community, why, why does that matter? Why does that matter to our humanity and to our, our flourishing as human beings? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say to people that are critical of the church and critical of, you know, um, big C church and, and, and of Christianity as we know it, uh, I understand. I, mm -hmm. I have a lot of critical views towards the church. Yeah. I, I just do. And, um, and I did not grow up Christian. I mean, I have a heritage with a family with a deep tradition in Christianity and, and also in Catholicism. And, um, but I didn't grow up Christian. I, I grew up as somebody that was seeking after God, that was able to come in contact with Jesus through the scriptures. And my faith is one of living out an Abrahamic faith of following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I understand, I, and and I I just encourage people not to let the detractors or bad examples stop you yeah. from reading the biblical narrative, 
and talking to practitioners of of, of discipleship, not just yeah. professors of discipleship. Um, that being said, I think that the, the orientation towards being concerned in the greater community is so critical to everything it means to be a Christian. Because I think the, the biggest thing I've heard from talking to people in their most like 2 a.m. voice is that I don't care about any of this stuff. I just care that people care about people. Right. You know, and so, you know, I've seen people get up in arms when you say Black Lives Matter, you know, for instance, and they do actually matter. And I have no problem saying Black Lives Matter. I'm not aligning myself with the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm just saying I care about black people and what they're going through. Yeah. I also care about Filipino people when there's a typhoon. You know, right. I care about Indonesians when there's an right. earthquake. I care about Haitians when there's a mudslide. Like, I care about the world because this is, we have a shared humanity. We're all from one family. Um, and so, and if one part of our family suffers, all parts suffer. And so yeah. I think um, it, it, it behooves Christians not to get caught up in the arguments of the day, but to show compassion. And where you have an opportunity to show compassion, not simply with words, but with action, that goes much further than anything else. Because, yeah. you know, right now there are 7 billion people. And in the next 30 years, conservative estimates, there'll be 10 billion people. And so um, when we think about our ministry formation, we're asking ourselves, what kind of church will people 30 years from now be able to look at and look back on mm. and say, in the most critical moments, these people, they were Christians, not by what they said, but by how they lived. And they were honest that they didn't get it right. They were messed up. They were, they were they're flawed. But man, they're really trying to follow Jesus. Yeah. And um, yeah. so that's a driving force. So I think serving the community, showing compassion, avoid foolish arguments and I, is what I would encourage Christians to do. Like it, it no one really cares about all these heady arguments people care that you care and if they can see that you care they'll believe your faith yeah. by what they see by the evidence of it yeah well i mean we could go down many rabbit holes with what you just said that are all really important and we'll have to save them for a different podcast uh but but i love what you said about you know not just profess professors of the faith, but practitioners. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's such a key distinction that I know for, for people that I come in contact with and, and friends that I have that are not followers of Jesus, uh, family members that I have that are not followers of Jesus, they're not really, um, they're not concerned with how, how well I can explain my theology. Um, what mental agreements I have assented to to say, yes, I believe this is truth or not. What they're really concerned with is how, how are my human-to-human -human relationships? That's yes. the fruit, right, of my life. How, how, how's the fruit of your life really? Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's what matters. And I think um, that's what people are looking for, right? Even kind of the modern you know, day church uh, uh, that's, you know, non-religious church is has become community service, right? There's just something in it for us as humans that, that when we engage in that, um, there's a, a human to human 
connection, a need being met on both ends, um, and there's something that, uh, that comes alive in us. And I think practitioners of Jesus, we know that, right? We get that because we go, man, actually Jesus, he spelt that out like in explicit teachings, but then he implicitly lived that out. And as we apprentice under this way, uh, we get to experience that in multiple ways, right? Not just in community service, but in all kinds of other interactions that we have uh, human to human, we get to experience that flourishing, uh, our, our souls, our minds, our hearts coming alive. Um, this has been a great conversation. Uh, my, my last question for you is, you know, for, for those who are following Jesus, who are, who are trying to be practitioners, um, and they're in their local community, and maybe they, the, the church that they're a part of doesn't have, you know, a deep bench of 20 deacons and, and four elders and, and people that are really have already kind of made some of those inroads with their community. Um, what's a practical, like one practical thing a follower of Jesus can do, can begin to do today or, or this week um, when it comes to being a light in their community, when it comes to, to engaging in that way? Absolutely. I think a practical thing is get to know your neighbors, L- love upon your neighbors, um, you know, love your neighbors. Begin with Matthew 22. Love God with everything. Start your day with God and get to know your neighbors. Love your neighbors. Love the people that are around you. I believe that we are, without a doubt, in the greatest time in human history and the greatest time for the church. We're at a 500-year moment of transformation. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther was initiating what would become the Protestant Reformation, and I believe that we're at a radical reformation of the church right now, and I think it starts with us just knowing the people that live around us, loving the people that are in our homes and in our lives and in our communities. And uh, God has an amazing way of using our small choices to make a really big impact. Awesome. Love that. Well, Will Archer, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us today. It's been a great conversation. Very helpful, very encouraging, very insightful. Um, where, where can people find more information about what you guys are doing or, or follow you guys? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Please, we, we, we try to be as accessible as possible. You can go to our website, PotomacValleyChurch.com. Um, you can, you know, follow us on Instagram. You can, um, l- you know, check us out on Facebook. Um, we, we, are, we try to be as accessible as possible and, um, and as responsive as possible. So feel free to connect with us. And, um, and we definitely are very grateful. I'm very humbled that you'd ask me to be on this, this, this podcast with you and have this conversation with you. And I'm very inspired by the work that y'all are doing there and, um, and, uh, and learning a lot from what you're doing there. We're trying to be the flavor of the city here, just like you're being the flavor of the city there in Austin. So Love it. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks asking. Thanks so much.